Hello and welcome to the Hollywood Health Show. My guest for this episode is Ariel Garten. She's probably one of the most interesting people you will meet. She's a neuroscientist, a psychotherapist, a mom, former fashion designer, and the female founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup. Muse is a device that tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback on it, and it guides you into the zone and helps you to solve the problem most of us have when starting a meditation practice, which is letting you know when you're doing it right. I tried very hard to keep this conversation centered around meditation and its benefits, but at some point I couldn't help myself and we did geek out a bit. Just a tiny bit though, don't worry. Now before we go on to today's episode, let me remind you about our new Vault of Goodies. Our Vault of Goodies is a free directory where you can log in at any time and see each episode in audio and video format and its original, often much longer version. You can even download the actual audio in mp3 format as well as the entire transcript and lifetime access to whatever goodies we have for each episode. To sign up, just head on over to dre.show forward slash goodies, or just click or tap on the link in this episode's description. In any case, I don't want to keep you any longer. Here's my conversation with Ariel Garden. And remember, you are in the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting-edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Ariel, welcome to the Highway to Health Show. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you? It's my pleasure to be here. I'm feeling fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. It's always a good day here. We've been spending a few months here in Spain and, you know, early <laughs> afternoon and it's Lovely. it's amazing over here. So I can't complain. What a better place. I can't think of a better place to find health than Spain with delicious olive oils and siestas and sun and water, Mediterranean diet. Wow. For sure. We've been enjoying a lot of that. And we live right by the ocean. So we're having a great time. It's funny because we used to live in California when we got here. People would say like, oh, why would you move away from California? We're like, what, what are, you, are you kidding me? This is perfect. It's amazing. So next time we record a podcast, you're going to invite me over to your house. I'll fly over and we'll do it. For sure. That sounds like a plan. Let's make sure to book that in advance. But anyway, as I was sharing in our introduction and, you know, I was telling a little bit about your background, but I much rather let you share with us what got you in this path and so interested in mental health and mindfulness. So I've always been interested in the brain and how it creates our experience of reality. When I was younger, I was very interested in neuroscience and really understanding how the brain works and how it creates your perception. And then actually my parents began divorcing and I became very interested in psychotherapy, first as a patient myself to deal with what my parents were going through. And then from a clinical perspective, really understanding how the process of psychotherapy can start to shift your thinking and shift your mind. So that married with my neuroscience understanding led me to both continue to study neuroscience and work in neuroscience research labs and also become trained as a psychotherapist. I had my own private practice and I'd be teaching my patients and clients methodologies to understand what was going on inside their brain and apply techniques to help them shift their thinking, shift themselves away from anxious thoughts, create sensations of safety, um, really lead to the understanding of your own full self-worth. And I would often use meditation as 
kind of one of the frontline approaches for many of the things that my clients would walk in the door with. The problem is that I was a terrible meditator. So I would be recommending meditation to my patients, knowing how much it could help them shift their mind and their thinking. But I would just tell them to go meditate. I'd teach them in session. They'd go home. They'd rarely do it successfully. And I was rarely doing it successfully. So I ended up actually working in a research lab with Dr. Steve Mann, the inventor of the wearable computer. And he had an early brain-computer interface device. And through a long story, I can tell you in a few more minutes, we ended up creating this device to help you meditate. That's amazing. And there are so many things that you just mentioned that I want to kind of like dig deeper into. But first, one of the things that you just mentioned about helping people change some of these mental beliefs that they have. And let's not take a lot of time here, but I find it very, very interesting. I've done, I've done a little bit of work in that area, not as in a professional manner like you have, but you know, NLP training and things like that. Because one thing that fascinates me is how we perceive the world and how we start believing certain things are the way they are simply because that's the way they are in our head. And it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for everyone else. And I think that's something very empowering is helping people change these beliefs that they have around, you know, around health, around money, around their, you know, when they want to lose weight, when they want to stop doing certain behaviors. So how did you make the jump from seeing all those changes that you were able to do as a psychotherapist to understand how being in a meditative state can actually help them achieve those changes better. Is that an accurate read of what you shared with us? So I would say that meditation is another methodology that helps you get at that process of changing your own story and your own beliefs. And when you learn to meditate, you also learn to sort of have this practice of being able to sit with yourself and understand and manage your own thoughts. And so then it can also make all these other techniques more powerful because you have the kind of neural architecture, you have the framework in your mind to think about how you apply them and you have a practice that you regularly use. So meditation is both its own psychotherapeutic technique to help you change your mind and can enhance the benefit of other techniques that you're using. So actually, let's back up a little bit here. We've been hearing a lot about meditation lately, and I know that it's been around for literally centuries, but now recently it suddenly started getting a lot of traction. A lot more people are talking about it. How would you define meditation for somebody who keeps hearing it, but certainly or probably has the wrong idea in their head? So that's a great question and a fabulous place to start. So meditation is not like a weird and woo-woo thing. Meditation is merely a practice or a training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. So it's a thing that you do regularly that you practice that when you do it, it makes your mind healthier and happier. There are lots of different forms of meditation that you would have heard from. You might have heard of Zen meditation or focused attention or mantra-based meditation or staring at a candle. All of these things have something in common, which is you're sitting quietly. You are usually focusing your attention on a single thing like your breath or a candle, and then you're watching what happens to your mind. So in a focused attention meditation, you can focus your attention on your breath. Your mind begins to wander, which all our minds do. You then notice that your mind has wandered away from your breath. And instead of following your wandering mind, you make the choice to take your mind off your wandering thought and put it back on your breath. It's really simple. That's all you're doing. You're sitting there breathing, watching your breathing. Your mind wanders. You notice it. You instead shift your mind back to something neutral. So this very simple process then has some pretty profound implications. And do you think that that's one of the big 
factors that stops people from continuing or pursuing a meditation practice? Because at least for me, it was when I first started doing this and I had gone over, I shared about this recently, I think at a Facebook Live or in one of the Instagram posts, how just almost serendipitously, I don't even know how to say that. You totally got it. Serendipitously. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, I ended up going to Dr. Amon's, Dr. Daniel Amon's clinic because they were treating a lot of our former patients and I was going in for a tour and they offered to do a brain scan and we saw a lot of things that even the guy reading it was like, maybe we should just have the doctor take a look at this. And it turns out that my amygdala was overreacting and back then I was under a lot of stress. I have a very short fuse. I had a very bad temper and this was maybe about five years ago, right? And one of the recommendations was to start meditation. But when I started doing it and I started focusing on my breath or started focusing on one thing or another, I realized that my mind wandered. So I thought, I'm not made for this. I'm not, this is not my thing. Is this something that happens to most people? This is so incredibly common. Most of us don't end up getting a brain scan to lead to meditation, but most of us sit down in meditation and our brains begin to wander and we're like, oh no, we failed. You know, we assume meditation is that your mind is supposed to go blank and then maybe you levitate. And let me tell you, neither of those things ever happen. (laughs) So you don't levitate? No, I'm sorry. Nor does my mind go blank for very long even after a lot of practice. So your mind is a busy place and that is completely okay. What we're learning in the practice of meditation is not making your mind go blank or stop being busy. What we're learning is how we manage our thoughts and the choices that we make. So most of us kind of go through a life in autopilot. We have a whole bunch of thoughts in our head and they're just happening. And we just assume we're supposed to be thinking the thoughts that are in our head. And some of them are negative and repetitive and frustrating and we just end up thinking them. With meditation, what you learn is that You put your attention on a neutral object like your breath, your mind wanders into a thought, and then instead of following that thought and thinking about your grocery list or how frustrating the traffic jam was, you instead choose to take your mind off that thought and bring it back to something neutral like your breath. And so the thought will come back again, and then you just make the choice. Nope, I'm not following you thought. I'm coming back to my breath. And you do that over and over again. And what you learn to do is to change the relationship with your thoughts. So rather than your brain just thinking you, you can actually choose what goes on inside your mind, which thoughts you want to follow and which ones you're like, nope, I don't need you. I'm just going to come back to something neutral. And when we do that, it is remarkably empowering because the stress that we have in our life, the frustration, the negative thinking that exists in our thoughts. And when we're able to choose the contents of our thinking, we're able to choose what thought we want to have and what thought we're going to let go of, we can now completely reformat what goes on in our own minds. For sure. And that's actually one of the things that there's this phrase, and it's almost a cliche that says that you cannot control what happens to you. The only thing you can control is how you react to it. And most people feel that still they're powerless to that. They're like, of course, I'm going to get upset. Of course, I'm going to get angry. Of course, I'm going to do this. But in reality, what you're saying is that with a steady and constant meditation practice, you are able to start controlling these emotions, these feelings, these thoughts that your brain suddenly generates and you go like, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe that's not the smart thing to react that way. Yeah, I don't need that thought. I don't need that reaction. One of the things that most people report really early on in a meditation practice is noticing that they just have some more time before their reaction. So, you know, maybe your kid does something really annoying or very stupid and then you just want to yell at them. Well, with meditation, most people notice that your kid does something. You then observe your own reaction. You observe your own thoughts and you have a beat in there. You have time to then say, do I want to follow this? Do I want to yell or do I want to do something else? 
And so that space gives you the choice to make a different outcome, to choose something else. And it gives you the calm and the emotional resourcing to be able to take the calm, rational path. And it helps you not have that regret that most of us parents sometimes have after we yell to our children for something when they were being children, right? Yes. So that is actually part of what I was going to ask you next. A lot of the times when I talk about meditation or mindfulness to people that I'm focusing a lot more, I, I don't do a lot of clinical work right now, but I'm doing a lot of educational work. And when we talk about mindfulness and meditation, most people think that, oh, I'm not really stressed. I'm just a mom. I don't have to worry about money or I don't have to worry about this. Or I don't have to worry about that. I don't really need meditation. So what and I'm sure you've heard this before with so many years in the field, what would be your response to something like that? Why is it beneficial pretty much for everyone? Um, so meditation now has over a thousand published studies demonstrating the benefits of it. It's quite amazing the ways in which it has potential to make change in your mind and your body. So it's been shown to reduce stress, to improve concentration. It can improve your productivity, improve your emotional relationships. There's studies demonstrating that it improves your GRE scores, so it can improve your working memory, and it can also improve your physiology. There are really cool studies demonstrating that meditation can actually potentially lengthen your telomeres, which is a marker for cellular aging. So meditation can even, quote unquote, help you become slightly younger. It's a bit of a marketing term, but it actually has been shown that a long-term meditation practice can shift what goes on inside of your cells to make you healthier potentially. Yeah, I've actually read something along those lines. I've also read something along the lines of increasing the size of your gray matter. So by doing MRIs and you know following certain patients, they see that the amount of gray matter that they have in their brains actually increases. Yeah. So if you want to get geeky for a moment, meditation has also been shown to make significant changes in the brain. So in one study by Dr. Sarah Lazar at Harvard, she looked at patients' prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is the area behind your forehead, and it's the part of you that's responsible for planning, organizing, attention, all the kind of higher order human processes that we do. And as you age, your prefrontal cortex thins. You get less good at these things. But with the long-term meditation practice, it's shown that you can maintain the thickness of your prefrontal cortex even as you age. You mentioned your amygdala, which is your fight or flight response, the thing that makes you fly off the handle and get angry and get scared quickly. Well, a long-term meditation practice can actually make the size of your amygdala smaller and the reactivity of your amygdala less. And it can even improve, as you said, the density of your gray matter. The density of your gray matter is the number of connections that you have inside of your brain. And Dr. Sarah Lazar showed that even an eight-week meditation practice, like a short practice, was able to increase the density of gray matter. Wow, that's great at eight weeks. And most people think that you have to meditate for a lifetime in order to start getting all those benefits. And what you're saying is that at about eight weeks, you already start seeing this. Now, how long would you recommend people start meditating for? Because that's another thing that I've heard holds a lot of them back. They're like, oh, I don't have an hour to sit and meditate. Like, no, oh, it's not about an hour. But what would be your recommendation for starting? So a lot of the studies have been done at a 20-minute-a-day meditation. So 20 minutes a day, we know, can demonstrate some of the outcomes that I described. A lot of people, 20 minutes a day is still hard because meditation can be hard. And if you find it hard, don't worry about it. That's totally normal. The thing with meditation is that you want to stick with it. So you can start for as little as three minutes. And with Muse, we actually say, if you're having problems, just set it at three minutes. Three minutes will go very quickly. And then you can slowly move yourself up to five. And if that's easy, this to seven, then to 10. 
And if you can do a 10 minute day, every single day meditation practice, you are golden. Like you're learning so much in that 10 minutes that you will then apply throughout the day. So the thing about meditation is just like going to the gym, you go to the gym. So then throughout the day, you're stronger. You can now move the couch, you can lift the groceries, you can throw your kid up in the air and all of it seems easy. So meditation is a practice that you do sitting there for five or 10 or 20 minutes per day. And then the things that you learn during meditation, you're going to find yourself applying throughout the day. You're going to notice when your mind is wandering, you know, listening to a lecture and say like, oh, right, let's come back to the topic at hand that I want to focus on. You'll notice when you're starting to like go off to Facebook and you're like, right, I want to come back to my work. Or you'll notice when you're in the park with your kid and you're thinking about the grocery list and you'll be like, right, why am I thinking about my groceries when I'm supposed to be in those beautiful moments of my life? I can just refocus my attention back on my kid and be here with him now. So you'll find that life gets better with that short period of practice. Exactly, exactly. And what you just described is very similar to the process that I went through when, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I'm sure, when I discovered Muse and I started using Muse because I started using, I shared with you before we began, I started using it. I think it must have been around 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. And that was actually pretty much the way I did it three minutes, then it kind of went like, oh, maybe I should do a little bit more. And I started doing five and then I started doing 10 and then I started doing 20 and I started doing 20 twice a day. So yeah, I completely agree with you. And I found it very, very beneficial up to a point that I actually started suggesting it even before I started telling my patients. I started suggesting it. I was part of a business mastermind group at the time and I started suggesting it to other business owners, my mentor, entrepreneurs. And here's one thing that I found out and I actually heard Gary Vaynerchuk say that at some point about two or three years ago when meditation really started taking off, you know, recently or, or became popular again. And he said, yeah, I heard all about meditation, but I don't want to start doing it. I'm afraid it's going to throw me off my game. What do you think of it? What, what do you make up of that? Because I thought it was total nonsense from somebody who doesn't understand what meditation can do. But what are your thoughts about that? So I understand the thought because I felt a little bit like that at the beginning too. I was somebody who I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always had a lot of thoughts. I've always done a lot of things. And I thought those thoughts were serving me. I'm like, I don't want to think less. That sounds terrible. And then I realized as I went through my own meditation process, it's not about thinking less. It's about being able to manage the thoughts that you want to have finding peace and quiet when you need it, and then becoming actually more productive, more effective, and having better, clearer thoughts in the times when you need them. I see. So I can kind of understand where he's coming from, but it's a complete misunderstanding of what meditation allows you to do. Exactly. And I think another one of the big problems, and I don't know, I'm just guessing that that was one of the reasons that why you guys went out and, and decided to start Muse and start playing with this, is that we don't usually get a lot of feedback when we start meditating, right? So it's not one of those things that, you know, you go to the gym and you kind of like feel the pump for the first couple of hours and you feel more energetic and you can meditate. And the first day you meditate, you don't really feel a lot. You don't really feel much of a difference. You do feel it when you've been meditating for a while and suddenly you skip a day or you skip two days and you suddenly go like, oh, I'm not entirely myself. So how did the whole idea of Muse come to be? Muse came about kind of serendipitously. I should sort of maybe stand back and describe what Muse is because we've been talking about it a little bit. So Muse is a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. It actually gives you real-time feedback on your brain during meditation to know when you're focused, to know when your mind is wandering, and to guide you to doing it right. 
So as I mentioned, I was a psychotherapist and I would mention meditation to my patients. I would even teach them how to do it and they would go away and they would never really do it. And I also struggled with meditating myself. And I'd been working with this early brain-computer interface device, something that actually allowed you to track your brain activity. And we were making concerts where you could make music with your mind. And we could actually like literally help people hear what was going on inside their brain, hear when their mind was focused and hear when their mind was wandering. And so I got together with my amazing co-founders, Chris Amini, who's an incredible electrical engineer, and Trevor Coleman. And we started to think about what we could do with this technology. And we knew we wanted to apply it to something that was going to make the world better, that was going to make people's lives better. And ultimately, we recognized that if we could help more people meditate, then we would have done something right for humanity. You know, I knew all of the literature on meditation as a you know neuroscientist and therapist using it. Trevor was actually a meditator himself, so he like deeply understood the benefits that he was getting. And we recognized that if we could only get more people meditating, we could move the needle for the world. And we sort of stood back and we looked at the problem of meditation, which is very much what you described. You sit there, your mind goes all over the place, and you're like, what am I supposed to be doing? What's going on in my brain? Like, I don't know what's, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And you get frustrated and you get up and you leave. And we recognize that with the technology we had, we could actually show people what was going on in their mind. And we could give you feedback to show you when your mind was off course and when you were in that state of focused attention, that meditation state. And that we could actually kind of be like a little coach that could tell you what you were supposed to be doing and then give you feedback and give you data after the fact. And that's how Muse was born. That's amazing. I mean, it really is a tremendous piece of technology when I started using it. I think I saw it for the first time at a conference and I don't remember exactly which one and I just had to buy it right then and there because it was, at least from my point of view, it was something that had been suggested to me It was something that I was already familiar with the benefits, but that I simply couldn't get myself to do. And one of the reasons I knew I wasn't being able to do it is because I didn't know if I was doing it right. And it's just like, you know, you go to the gym and you're not sure you're doing it right. You hire a personal trainer, you sit him down and, you know, he sees you and he pushes you a little bit and he shows you the right technique. But how do you do that with meditation other than sitting next to a guy who's meditating and just kind of do the same and not talk to him, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're supposed to sit there in silence. It's not very helpful. So that's exactly what I'm saying. And and the thing is, when I saw it and I tested it out, and perhaps you can share with us a little bit more about the science behind it and how it does that, but it is remarkable how it can tell when your thoughts start wandering off and you start recognizing that. You suddenly start hearing this feedback and you immediately realize that, oh yeah, that's right. I was veering off. I was going elsewhere. I was doing all these things. Yeah. So how Muse works is it's a little device that you slip on your forehead in the same way that you have Fitbit around your wrist. This is something that tracks your brainwave activity. So your brainwaves are the total of your neuronal activity. So we're detecting the electrical activity off your head. And we have an algorithm that knows the difference between the brainwave activity of focused attention on your breath, that meditation state, and the brainwave activity of mind wandering. And what we're doing is we're translating that brain activity into sound. So you literally hear when your mind has wandered and then you're guided to come back to focus and you hear when it's focused. And the metaphor uses your mind is like the weather. So when your mind begins to wander, you hear it as stormy. It's this really natural feeling of, oh yeah, the storm's coming, my mind's wandering, which is then your cue to be like, yep, let's quiet the storm and the, the storm quiets. So the Muse connects to an app on your phone and that's where you hear all the audio and it gathers your data and it lets you actually both hear in real time what's going on in your brain 
as well as see after the fact what your brain was doing. So you have charts, graphs, scores, and motivational architecture and gamification, stuff that really keeps you engaged in meditating session after session after session because you're now able to see your progress and to share your progress, to you know share your friends or your the clinician you're working with and actually be able to move yourself forward really effectively in this practice. And I have to agree with you once more because I think that one of the most important things that I've been noticing was that after a while of using it, not only was I getting better throughout the session, but like I said, because I started increasing the amount of time that I was using it, then it kind of like flew by so much quicker, number one. And number two, when I went back and I looked at the data in the app and I noticed the trends and I noticed all these different things, that's when you really start seeing the aggregate because you don't I mean, you are getting better, obviously, day by day, but you don't necessarily notice the difference how much better you're today than you were yesterday. But what you do notice is when you look at the graph and you see, wow, look at all the activity that I was having when I first began. And now look at the activity that I can reach, right? And the levels that I can stay at. And that also translated into my day-to-day life. You know, my wife, my wife is able to tell when I don't meditate. And she's like, you skipped meditation this morning, right? <laughs> like, it's crazy. And, and we laugh about it, but it really does make sense. Sometimes when I'm, you know, we have an argument or I'm being unreasonable about certain things, she'll say like, wow, you really skipped it this morning or you need to go back and do it again because she realizes how much different I am when I do it and when I don't. That's completely awesome. That's wonderful. And this is something that we hear really commonly. So the ability to see how you've improved is incredibly motivating. And it also lets you understand what about it is working and not working. Because meditation is also this process of being able to understand and analyze your own mind and your own feelings so that you have a better sense of where you're at. You can kind of rise above and see an entire situation. You can see the kind of mess that was in your own mind and how you can get yourself out of it. And what you just said was something really beautiful, which is that you could see when you were being unreasonable. So, you know, a lot of people in the middle of an argument are like, I am right. And they're filled with ego and it's impossible to get outside of your own scenario and understand the totality of it, understand where your wife's coming from, what the triggers were, and therefore be able to see how to have compassion and empathy to each other and how to get out of it. And those are all skills that meditation teaches you and that you clearly have learned through it. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I keep recommending it. And the one thing that I kind of like feel it gets hard is when there's no real tangible results and almost right away results for people to really get from meditating. And, you know, people who've known me for a number of years and they see the changes, they're like, oh, you're a lot more calm. You're, all, you're you know, you're not just <laughs> bad tempered or short fused or, or anything you, you want to say, what have you been doing? And I tell them, well, I've been adding this and like, oh, that's great. But then nobody picks it up. Right. And I think that something like Muse, and not just because I have you here, people who know me have know that I've been talking about this for years, it gives you that feedback. It gives you a score almost that for us guys and for a lot of really you know A-type people, it's kind of like, I need to know how well I'm doing it. And I know that I'm not supposed to completely quiet my mind. I know that I'm not supposed to meditate, but I need to know if I'm doing it well. I need to know if I'm doing it better today than I did it yesterday. And that's where I think it's 
is very, very powerful. That's awesome. I am so thrilled for you that you found this and that you've applied it and that it's made change. Like literally when we created it, our hope was that people could, you know, find more calm in their life, that they could create more self-discipline, that they could learn to manage their emotions better, that this would lead to better relationships and better people. And I can't tell you how overwhelmed I am to hear that, you know, it works. Oh, for sure. For sure. In my case. Now, you've probably also heard some very amazing stories. So what are one or two stories that really stand out, you know, since you've really brought Muse to the world that you've heard from other users? There are a lot. It's pretty great. So Muse is now used by like over 100,000 people regularly. It's used in over 200 different research studies, so 200 published studies using Muse. And the thing that I heard recently that was most impactful to me was there was a study from the Mayo Clinic using Muse with breast cancer patients awaiting surgery. And it demonstrated that within the study, breast cancer patients awaiting surgery improved their quality of life, decreased their stress, and decreased their fatigue in the cancer care process. <laughs> so, so when I heard that, it was just like, oh my God, this really works. It's, it's really having impact. And so, you know, there's the formal studies and then down to just the anecdotal things that people always tell me. The main one always is just, I finally learned to meditate. And then from there, people talk about, you know, the improvements that they've been able to make in their sleep or their ability to manage their anxious thoughts or their ability to, you know, get back to work after a traumatic incident has happened to themselves. Or the story that I told earlier about being in the park with your kid was actually one that a mom had told me that, you know, she every single day would be in the park with her child in what should have been the most beautiful time in her entire life, you know, there playing with her kid. And she realized she was never really there. And she didn't notice it until she started meditating. And she didn't notice that her mind was wandering. She didn't notice she wasn't present. She didn't notice she had another choice. And now she both had a tool to help her notice and to actually apply yourself to say, no, I don't want these thoughts. I want to be here in my life. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. And now I can. Exactly. And I think that's what's most empowering is that people now realize that they're not powerless in front of these things. They have the power to change these thoughts. They don't have to be an autopilot. And we've discussed this before in the podcast about how we're not present in our lives. We have so many different inputs and we rarely stop and think about the time that we need to digest these thoughts and create something out of them. We're just receiving input and we're rarely taking the time to really be in our head and use those creatively and productively and make something out of it. Because one of the things that we've been noticing a lot is exactly that. You know, we're never off. We've got our cell phones. You know, we think that we're alone, but we're not. And we're constantly receiving all these different inputs. And and being able to be aware of your thoughts, being able to be aware of how those thoughts play out, I think is tremendously impactful. And it is one of the things that I've personally also learned from my meditation practice. It's amazing. And that's, you know, really what it is that we're learning here. We're in a sense learning what it is to be human. We're learning what it is to be a human in this day and age with all of these different things that pull on our attention that need us, that are really taking away our power to make the choice of what we want to do and what we want to think and where we want to be and where we want to put our attention. Attention is one of the most precious resources we have, and we never think about how to use it properly. And what meditation does is it teaches you to strengthen your attention, be aware of it, and make choices about where you put it. You know, what email you want to answer, what text you want to pull you, what phone addiction you want to go towards or let go of. You know, it can make all of these unconscious behaviors like 
you know, going to the fridge and blankly eating. You can make all of these unconscious behaviors conscious for us so that we can be empowered to make better choices for our lives. Exactly. It's about being conscious about our day-to-day choices because everything that we do is a choice, whether we realize it or not. We just made the choice to go this way or to go that way. We make a choice to eat now or to not eat. And we make a choice to drink some water or to drink some soda. So all throughout our days, we're making these choices. So I think that being able to be aware of them and like you very well described it, to slow down your thoughts so that they're not just happening is tremendously impactful. And Ariel, I do want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. Like I said, it has had a tremendous impact in my life personally. And, you know, not only do I thank you, I'm sure my wife will thank you because she's seen (laughs) seen a lot of the difference and the people who used to work with me will probably thank you. And hopefully that's also helping me and empowering me to be a better parent and to be a better person all around. So I really do want to acknowledge you for that and for having that impact in literally thousands of other people. So thank you so much for that. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you. And, you know, Building Muse has taken so many people. So it's me and Chris and Trevor, my co-founders, and my entire team. It really takes a village to both create technologies like this and allow them to go into the wild and help people use them and to educate. So, you know, on behalf of all of us, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making the world a better place by taking control of your own life and making good choices. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, normally in every episode, we ask our guests to share their top two or three actionable pieces of advice that people listening to us right now can take in order to improve their lives based on what we've been discussing. So how would you recommend they can start a meditation and mindfulness practice? So the easiest way to start a meditation practice is to just sit and focus on your breath. It's actually very simple. So sit down, put your attention on your breath. When your mind begins to wander, notice that it's wandered and then choose to come back to your breath. And as you do that, that is the beginning of shifting the relationship with your thoughts. It's really beautiful and really simple. The other thing I recommend is managing your breathing. So as you breathe deeply, you're able to put yourself into a rest and digest state. So inhale for four counts and exhale for six counts. Just practice extending your out breath. And as you do that, you're going to be slowing your body down. Because making shifts is not just something that happens in your mind. It's also something that happens in your body. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing those. And where can people go to find out more about Muse? I know that you were very graciously shared a discount code with our listeners and they can go and they can get it for a discount by visiting dre.show forward slash Muse. But where can they go and find out more about it if they wanted to learn more about meditation, about the device itself and, and what it can do for them? Sure. You can go to choosemuse.com, C-H-O-O-S-E-M-U-S-E.com. There you'll find about Muse 1 and then Muse 2, which also gives you real-time feedback on your heart, your breath, and your body. We also have libraries of guided content, meditations for just about anything that can come up in your life. And all of that you get as part of the Muse platform. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's something that I forgot to say at the very beginning that was very, very useful to me was the guided meditations that although there weren't so many back then when I started. And it helped me get started and get into the groove. And then the funny thing is that after a while, I just said, I don't think I need the guidance. I'll just do it myself. And most people that I've spoken to, they pretty much say the same thing. So I think that that's also great added value, having the ability to have somebody guide you and lead you because when you first do it, you really don't know what to do. Yep. So it lets you sort of choose where you want to start. We have dozens of teachers. So you can choose the teacher that resonates with you, or you can just ignore the guidance and do it all on your own, wherever you're at. 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, it's been an amazing, amazing conversation. And like I said, I'm very happy to have been able to have you here share this, which is something that has changed my life. Share it with the rest of our audience, because I'm sure that it'll be able to also change their life. You don't necessarily need to be super stressed out to benefit from meditation. Just if you want to be a better parent, if you want to be a better person, more aware of what you're doing every day, this is a tremendous tool and one that I cannot recommend enough. One final question, Ariel. Did you have a good time here on the Highway to Health? This was fabulous. Thank you. I almost felt like I was in Spain. Almost. Next time. Next time. Let's put that in the books. I'd love to have you here. (laughs) It would be my pleasure. Well, so thank you so much for stopping by. For everyone listening, make sure you tune in next week. This has been another phenomenal episode of the Highway to Health show. You've been listening to Ariel and Dr. E talk about meditation, mindfulness, and a phenomenal device that she built called Muse. Tune in next week for more amazing health information. And remember, you're in the Highway to Health, and I'm your guide to get you. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. I hope you really got how much I have benefited in my life from a steady meditation practice, and I hope that it inspires you to get started as well. I'm incredibly grateful for Ariel, who spent the time to come on the show and share with us her experience in this field and give us such great information. But I am just as grateful for her team her company, and the device they created called Muse. It was a game changer for me in the fact that it allowed me to start and improve my meditation practice. I am very doubtful I would have been able to keep at it for as long as I have without it. If you'd like to give it a try, they're offering all of our listeners 15% off on their order. Simply head on over to dre.show forward slash Muse, that's M-U-S-E, and your discount will be applied at checkout. Tag me on Instagram once you buy yours at Dr. Ernesto MD, or if you have used Muse before, let me know about your experience. And before we say goodbye, I want to remind you to sign up for our new Vault of Goodies. It is a completely free resource where you can find goodies related to pretty much every episode, some exclusive episodes which have not been released here, and many other cool things. Just head on over to dre.show forward slash goodies and request free access. But that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Ariel Garten and Dr. E talk about meditation, its benefits, and how to do it right. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there.